bring your prayers and your conversations um, to, uh, to a close just for this moment. Um, that would be fantastic. If you've met someone new and you want to carry on those conversations, then feel free to do so uh, afterwards. That would be a lovely, I, th- I think it's a really nice moment of our service uh, when, we, uh, when we meet and we greet each other and we say hi. And thank you, Rob, for leading us into that and leading us into that time of prayer uh, as well. Uh, it's been really, really good. Uh, so tonight is the first of a four-part mini-series that we uh, are, are doing called Format. And um, it's a series which has been written, developed by John Spicer, who's sat just here, and uh, Andy Caldwell, senior pastor here. Um, uh, they've delivered it in India, and, in, and John has delivered it in Nepal, uh, and with our interns here. Uh, so, uh, so it's really exciting that we're now going to uh, do this little mini-series on leadership with our congregation. Um, and uh, that's a fantastic, it's a fantastic thing. We believe that there are leaders in our church that, um, that God is calling to, uh, to, to roles, to, uh, to places uh, of leadership. And we want to equip you and we want to equip us all as a, as a church together. Uh, if you want to kind of continue this um, uh, conversation outside of Sundays, uh, then uh, it'll appear on the screen. But if you've got a mobile phone, uh, hashtag for Matt, hashtag Muttley Baptist Church will be where to go uh, when you're on Twitter, when you're conversing, when you're discussing. There it is, just like that. For Matt, uh, and that's because uh, most of this uh, is is from Matthew and from Matthew four. Uh, and so, uh, so the creative people amongst us have, uh, have put that together and, uh, and have done that for us. Rick Warren says that leadership is stewardship, that you don't own it, but that you are a steward of, of it. And God has given uh, the gift of leadership to be used. And as I said, we believe that there are people around us, people here, uh, who God is calling and uh, God wants to equip in, uh, in leadership. Uh, just um, uh, seen uh, Malcolm here this evening. It's nice to see you, Malcolm. Sorry to point you out. Uh, but, uh, but I wanted to mention before I, uh, before I start, before we read the passage, uh, Matthew 3, uh, verse 13, if you want to get that ready. Uh, but I want to mention Devonport Baptist Church. Uh, Devonport is a real jewel in uh, the crown of churches in Plymouth. Uh, Devonport is a, a Baptist church in the uh, most deprived area of our city. Devonport. And, um, uh, and Devonport is a place where uh, we would ask, actually, as Muttley Baptist Church, for you to think about, to consider, and to pray. Uh, because Devonport is a mission field, a mission opportunity, and a place in need. And actually, the church is in a place where it would really benefit from uh, a few people to go, perhaps for a year. Uh, perhaps to commit for a period of time, perhaps for longer, uh, to support, to encourage, and to help grow that ministry in Devonport. So I'd love you to have that on your minds and in your hearts as you're praying. And if you want to talk to Malcolm more about what life is like at Devonport, uh, then um, please do. Uh, we uh, want to support and, uh, and love that place. Um, let's pray, and, uh, and then we'll uh, we'll get into tonight's, uh, tonight's passage. Father, I want to pray for Devonport uh, now. I want to thank you for that church. I want to thank you that you've placed 
that church in that place. That you've called uh, Mike Shaw to, to be their pastor. Uh, that you've put people in the, that church to serve that community. And we pray for that as a mission uh, place in Plymouth. That you would equip it uh, with, uh, with people and uh, with all that it needs to continue to minister uh, in that area. Uh, Lord, we pray that this evening you would be with us as we consider leadership, as we uh, consider your word, as we think about what you have to say to us tonight. I pray that your Holy Spirit would pour on us, that you would speak to our hearts, our minds, our souls, your truths, and that you would show us more of who you are and how much you love us in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Amen. Okay, we're going to read from Matthew 3 verse 13. Uh, If you want to turn to it now. That would be fantastic. It says this, then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now, for it is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, the heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And we'll stop there this evening. And we thank God uh, for his words uh, to us and pray that it would be real in our lives this evening. To begin this, uh, this mini-series, I have uh, uh, something of the, the Ten Commandments of Leadership uh, from, from Mother Teresa. And, uh, and here they go. They're going to come up on the screen, sort of two at a time. And, uh, and I'll read them uh, as we go. People are illogical, unreasonable, and self-centered. Love and trust them anyway. If you do good, people will accuse you of selfish, ulterior motives. Do good anyway. If you are successful, you will win false friends and true enemies. Do your best anyway. The service you render today will be forgotten tomorrow. Serve people anyway. Honesty and frankness will make you vulnerable. Be honest and frank anyway. The biggest man with the biggest ideas can be shot down by the smallest man with the smallest ideas. Think big anyway. People pretend to love the little people, but sell their souls to the big people. Fight for the little people anyway. What you spend years building may be destroyed overnight. Build anyway. People really need help. 
but may attack you if you do help. Help people anyway. Give the world the best you have and you'll get kicked in the teeth. Give the world your best anyway. From Mother Teresa, from someone who did that, who gave her all uh, and her everything to a life of service to God. Uh, we're going to look at uh, uh, this evening's uh, aspect of leadership uh, in two sections. It's going to be know what you're about and know who you are. Jesus, we see in this passage uh, that we read, in his baptism, Jesus was sure, 100%, totally sure of what he was about. When he met John, this, uh, this crazy kind of honey, locust-eating man of the wilderness. That wasn't by chance. Jesus didn't kind of meet this guy who's bonkers and think, wow, he's pretty interesting. Maybe I'll spend a bit of time with him. Maybe I'll hang out with him for a little while, see what he's got to say, see what can, uh, see what can happen here. Uh, and maybe, uh, maybe it might lead to some baptism or something like that. Uh, it, didn't, it didn't happen like that. Jesus wasn't taking a chance on this Crazy man. Jesus met John with a purpose. Jesus met John with an absolute 100% knowledge of what was going on. He knew John had been preaching about the way. He'd been preaching about the Savior, the Messiah who was to come. And he met John with a purpose. And he was sure. He was certain. He didn't just think that getting baptized by this man was a good idea. It wasn't a chance encounter. He was certain of his purpose when he met the crazy man of the woods, John. And this is important for us to consider. This is important for us to remember. That we would know what our purpose is. Now we can think about this two ways. We can think about it theologically. Theologically, our purpose has most succinctly been put as this, to glorify God and enjoy him forever. To glorify God and enjoy him forever. For those of you who are interested, that came from the Reverend Assembly of the Divines at Westminster, 1647, just in case you're wondering. Glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's a wonderful thing. That's an amazing thing. Some of you may not know God. Some of you may not know who he is here tonight. He is incredible. He is the creator of this world. He is the creator of you and me. He is the divine. He is the one who holds everything together. He is God. He is awesome. And our purpose to glorify him and enjoy him because he has good gifts for those who love him. He has good things for us to enjoy. Glorify God and enjoy for him, him forever. Theologically, that could be said as our purpose. Practically, Andy Caldwell often uh, says this. He says, your purpose is where your passion meets the world's need. It's where your passion meets the world's need. So some questions for you to think about uh, as we go through this evening as you, as you head home uh, tonight. Things to chew over. What's unique about your situation? What's unique about who you are? You see, you have 
as an individual, a unique sphere of influence on this earth. There is no one who has the sphere of influence that you have. It may be that you're a parent. It may be where you work. It may be your friendship group. It may be that you know someone and they they know no one else who's a Christian. You are the only person who has your sphere of influence on this earth. That is a purpose. And so what's the needs? What's the needs in the people around you? What's the needs in the community around you? What's the needs in the people that you know, your family, your friends, your community? It's a question to take away. It's a question to think about. It's a question to chew over. What's unique about your situation? You have a unique sphere of influence. And what are the needs? Because practically speaking... Your purpose is where your passion meets the world's needs. You see, Jesus was sure of his purpose when he met John. He was completely and utterly sure. But John tried to deter him. John said, look, no, no, no. No, 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 this is all wrong. You should be baptizing me. You are Jesus Christ, son of God. You should be baptizing me. John tried to deter him. But Jesus was sure. Leaders are often battling through critics or through flatterers, through people who would try and, for one reason or another, deter them from their purpose. You don't want to do it this way, you want to do it that way. People who are trying to move you away from God's purpose. We're constantly battling that. But Jesus was sure. He wasn't to be put off. And that is a place where we need to look to find ourselves sure of our purpose, that we won't be put off by the critics. You see, Jesus knew that his baptism was critical to us, actually, here today, to me and to you. Because Jesus got baptized so that we could follow him into baptism. Baptism is the most special of moments when you are baptized. We have a baptistry here. It's kind of hidden away. But if the boards weren't here, I'd be sinking. We have a baptism pool here because baptism is one of the most special moments. In Jesus' baptism, it's one of the only moments in the Bible where God in all three persons appear Father, Son, and Holy Spirit at the same time. Highlights its importance. Stands out, says this is important. Jesus symbolizes the death and resurrection as he goes under the water and comes up that he will physically and literally experience on the cross. And so when we get baptized, we are joining in to that experience of Jesus. The death and the resurrection of Jesus. It is a point where we live in that moment of forgiveness of closeness to God. It's a special time. The blessing of the Holy Spirit. The voice of God. Baptism is, is very, very special. And I mentioned it earlier. We've got a baptismal service in two weeks' time. If God is speaking to you about baptism, don't put it off. Jesus was baptized so that we could follow. He knew his purpose. He knew if he wasn't baptized, we'd say things like, well, Jesus wasn't, so why should I? Jesus was baptized for a reason. That was his purpose. 
And in Jesus' baptism, God speaks audibly. What an amazing thing. God speaks audibly. And as we think about this thing, know what you're about. I want us to concentrate on those words for a minute. The audible words of God. He says, some of you know these really well. This is my son, whom I love. In him I am well pleased. Now I long, I long for God to speak those words over me. I don't know about you, but I long for God to speak those words over me. This is my son, whom I am well pleased of. But time and time again in my life, I get this point mixed up. I get this perspective wrong. And I don't know uh, if this is true for you, but when I read the Bible, certain things grab my attention. Certain aspects grab my attention. Um, And I don't know what it is for you when you read the Bible, what grabs your attention, whether it's uh, accomplished truths of Jesus, whether it's historical facts, whether it's commands of Jesus, instructions from the Lord. I don't know whether there's a certain type of thing that grabs your attention when you read the Bible. For me, there is. You see, I'm, I'm a real task-focused kind of person. I like to get the job done. I like to know what the job is. I like to get it done. And then I like to close the book at the end and say, I've done that job. And then I can go home and I can sleep well. That's the kind of task-focused person I am. So can we have the first verse uh, up, uh, Tim? Ephesians 4, verse 32. Uh, it's, uh, it's coming up. It says this. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. I'll read it again. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Now, when I read that, it's not that one. Oh, it is that one. It's in my PowerPoint, but don't worry. (laughs) That's all right. Uh, Leave that there for a second. When I read that, I see and I focus in on be kind and compassionate to one another. Okay, I've got to be kind. I've got to be compassionate. I focus on forgive each other. Okay, I've got to forgive people I need to forgive. And they're the kind of things that I pick up on. And so I miss just as Christ forgave you. And that's the meat. That's the meat. Just as Christ forgave you. The next one, Colossians. Um, You can just skip on in the PowerPoint. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any one of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. So for me, I read, bear with each other. I've got to bear with people. Forgive one another. I've got to forgive one another. That's my job. That's my task. That's what I've got to do. If I've got a grievance, I've got to go there. That's what I've got to do. Forgive. As the Lord forgave you. There's the meat. There's the good stuff. And I've got to thank C.H. Spurgeon, one of my my heroes, for pointing this out to me in my preparation uh, for tonight. You see, when I hear the words from Jesus' baptism, where he says, this is my son whom I love, in him I am well pleased. I think I would love to hear those words What do I need to do to hear those words? And Spurgeon begs us to ask a different question. 
he begs us to ask the question, are you well pleased with him? Are you well pleased with him? Are you well pleased with Jesus in your life? Are you well pleased with him? God is. God said it. This is my son whom I love. In him I am well pleased. Are you well pleased with Jesus? Totally different question. Totally turned my thinking around. Totally got me to to stand up and go, wow, wait a minute. In every aspect of, of my being, am I well pleased? You see, we have a spiritual purpose to glorify God and enjoy him. We have practical purposes on this earth as well. But I believe our spiritual purpose has greater importance and significance. It comes first. When I read those verses, there are practical aspects and there are spiritual aspects. God asks us, are you well pleased with Jesus in all that you do, in all that you have? Are you well pleased with him? Let's just think about that for a second. So know what you're about. He has given you value, purpose and worth. Jesus Christ has given you value, purpose and worth. He is what you are all about. He is what we are all about. That is our purpose. So secondly, know who you are. Know what you're about and know who you are. Now, there are a number of ways you can approach this task of finding out who on earth you are. You could embark on an epic project to decipher your family history. Um, Perhaps a little bit like my uncle did. My uncle did that. Here it is. It's called the Campion Saga. It's a beautiful piece of work. It's pretty big. There we go. It's all about it. This is who I am. This is where I come from. Uh, a family of shoemakers from Shoreditch. Fact. There you go. The Campion Saga. He also wrote the follow-up. Some Campion wives. There you go. Genuinely did. That's my uncle. Uncle Peter lives in Hull, wrote those two books. The Campion Saga, you're welcome to borrow them, if you wish. But they are treasured possessions, and I will be watching them very carefully. Campion Saga. That's one way you could go about finding out who you are. Another way you could go about finding out who you are, of course, is to ask people, talk to people, talk to your friends, talk to your family, ask them what they think. But of course, we all know that books are old-fashioned, and talking to people face-to-face is pretty much outdated. And if you really want to know who you are, you Google your name, right? You Google your name. So I did that. Uh, there's, uh, there's my name on Google, Steve Campion. I Googled it. Uh, I came across, first of all, uh, the, um, uh, the liked-in profiles. Uh, so I thought I'd have a little look. What other Steve Campions are there about there? So I had a little look. If we can flick on to the next one, I had a little look at that... Uh, at that page, there's a Steve Campion, qualified helicopter instructor. I thought I'd quite like to have been him. They got the wrong Steve Campion here, instructor in Royal Air Force. There was another one, uh, Steve Campion, executive director of finance and enterprise at Exeter College. Some of you may know him. Anyone know him? No? Shame. Okay. Uh, next one, a courier uh, 
uh, at DPD, UK Express Parcel Delivery, lives in London. Glamorous? Not so much, but hey, there we go, another Steve Campion, and design engineer at Dyson. There you go, another Steve Campion. There we go, that sounds pretty, pretty exciting. And um, this one was for uh, our good friend Owen Jones. Uh, there is a Steve Campion who is a freelance graphic designer. And, uh, and there, there he is. So there's a number of Steve Campions out there. I didn't stop there. I wanted to have a look at the images. So we go to the next one. I had a look at the images as well. Um, I, I, I'm down there uh, in the bottom corner. Uh, that's my image from Twitter. But I thought some of the others were a little bit interesting, worth exploring, don't you think? I thought so. So, uh, so I looked at the top. Uh, left, as I'm looking at it, uh, Guy first, he looked pretty smart and suave. There he is. He's an NBC news presenter. Well, there we go. Steve Campion there. Look at him. Look at that. Uh, proper suave, uh, cheeky chappy. Yeah, I think he is um, definitely worthy of the name Steve Campion. Uh, there's another one. I saw uh, this guy here. Um, can you go a bit larger on that one? Just go to the next one there. He's an archaeologist. An archaeologist. I thought, oh, that's nice. Steve Campion, the archaeologist, about the same age as me as well. Uh, so there we go. That was another one. And finally, he was the most interesting of the pictures, I thought. I was drawn to this man eating a banana. Uh, feed your bra brain, devour a book. This man is a genuine librarian, uh, and, uh, and he was advertising the fact that you should eat bananas whilst reading uh, to feed your brain uh, in both, uh, both ways. Uh, nutter uh, is all I... <laughs> That's all I could say. Nutter. But there you go. There's always one in the family, isn't there? So that's what I did, Steve Campion. Do you know what? The only way to truly know who you are is to hear God's voice. The world shouts really loudly at us. The world is shouting really loud. Shouting, you're too fat, you're too thin, you're not quite right, you look a bit funny. You're too clever. You're not clever enough. You're ginger. Today is actually International Kisser Ginger Day, but don't get any ideas. <laughs> Listen to the world, and you will be in trouble. The world tells us to get up, eat, go to work, eat, work some more, go home, eat, watch TV, eat, go to bed, repeat, party at weekends. Get up, go to work, eat, work some more, eat, watch TV, eat, go to bed, repeat, party at weekends. The world screams at us and tells us we've got to look a certain way, tells us we've got to buy a certain brand, tells us we've got to sleep with a certain person. The world is constantly speaking, shouting in our ear. We listen to the world and we'll be in trouble. The only way to truly know who you are is to hear God's voice, and he speaks to us through his word, through the Bible. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says, You are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, to do a good work, which he's prepared in advance for you. Psalm 120, 139 verse 14 says, You are fearfully and wonderfully made, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Romans 8, verse 38 says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, 
neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Saviour. Romans 5 verse 8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Psalm 32 verse 8 says, I will instruct you and teach you the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. God's words to you. Matthew 11 verse 28. He says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Psalm 17 tells us that we are the apple of his eye. To know who you are, you've got to live in the word of God. Devour it. Read it daily. Know it. And then we'll know who we are. We'll know what he says to us. We'll know the truth he speaks. We'll know the things he has for us. We'll know the joy that comes with a relationship with Jesus. I'll read that last bit again from Matthew. Matthew 4. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Christian leadership, spiritual leadership is about following. Jesus says, follow me. Jesus says, follow me. He says, feed my sheep, not lead my sheep. We're not called to lead, but to follow to follow Jesus. Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. And we can be following. We can be walking. We can be in step with the Holy Spirit. And we can find the evil one there. We can find the devil in those places. We can find ourselves tempted, even when we're totally on track with God, as Jesus did here. See, temptation is something of a way of life for us as Christians, whether in leadership or not. Here we find Jesus hungry, physically hungry after a 40-day fast. Physically hungry. And the devil says, if you are the son of God, turn those stones to bread. You see, he attacks his weakness. He's hungry. Jesus isn't weak, but in that moment, Jesus is hungry after 40 days of not eating. And the devil attacks that weakness. But in this case, that's not the real attack. The real attack is this. It says, if you are the son of God, if you are the son of God, turn those rocks into bread. The devil attacks identity. Identity. Who Jesus is. If you are the son of God, he says. How many times have you heard or thought to yourself, it's not a very Christian thing to do? Would a Christian really do that? You're not a very good Christian. These are accusing words. And the devil is known as the accuser. And when you feel accused, when you feel words of accusation, it's not the Holy Spirit prompting you to repent. 
He's not the accuser. When you hear words of accusation, that's the devil attacking your identity. We need an identity that is rooted in Jesus Christ, Savior of the world, Son of God, to repel and rebuke such attack. Jesus knew his purpose. He knew who he was. He knew what he needed to do. And it's important for us as Christians and for those of us who God is calling into leadership to find that place of assurance too, in what we're about and in who we are. So to close, John Maxwell offers us four things that we can pray for and we can pray into. Uh, They're going to come up on the screen one by one, but you won't remember them tomorrow. So if you want to remember them, write them down, uh, I would suggest. Uh, But firstly, he offers us this, the ability to see, pray into the ability to see, awareness, the ability to see, your awareness of what God wants to do in your life. We could choose, we can choose every day to believe that the Holy Spirit wants to be a part of our day, that the Holy Spirit wants to join in with what we're doing, that he wants us to join in with what he's doing. We can choose to see with eyes from the Lord. And that comes with being saturated by the the Word of God as well, every day. Secondly, we can have the faith to believe. That's our attitude, the faith to believe. Never tell a person that something cannot be done. Because God may have been waiting for somebody ignorant, ignorant, ignorant enough of the impossibilities to do that very thing. Shall I say that again? I think I probably should. God may have been waiting for centuries, in fact, for somebody ignorant enough. I'm not going to say it again. (laughs) You get what I mean. (laughs) Of the impossibilities to do that very thing. One important factor that you have control over is how, is how much you choose to believe in God. Your awareness, your attitude. Thirdly, your action, the courage to do. Churchill says, there comes a moment in everyone's life, a moment for which that person was born, that special opportunity. When he seizes it, he will fulfill his mission, a mission for which he is uniquely qualified. In that moment, he finds greatness. He finds his finest hour. The courage to do. And these follow on from each other. Being aware of the things around us. Having the attitude of belief to go for it. And then the courage to do it when those moments come in our life. And fourthly and finally, achievement, the hope to endure. Paul says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. I have kept the faith. Most important day in your Christian life is the day that you die. It's the day that you finish the race. We long to finish well. Finish with him. Finish in his 
place. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your words this evening and I pray that you would be here now as we respond to you in worship, as we respond to you in song. Lord, meet with us. I pray that the words that are from you would be inscribed on our hearts that we wouldn't be able to forget them. I pray that earthly words would fall to the ground, that yours would remain strong in our hearts. Jesus, we love you. And we long to worship you. Uh, So I pray you'd enable us by the power of the Holy Spirit to do do that now. In Jesus' name, amen.